1: Impact of Influence, the Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hey, friend, so grateful that you're going to spend some time with us today, and it means a lot to us. You can reach out to us at Murdoch Podcast on Facebook, or MurdochPodcast.com, or Matt Harris podcast at gmail.com with your thoughts and comments and such. And hopefully you will take some time to rate the podcast and share it. That'd be much appreciated. Uh, What do we have coming up in this episode?
0: Well, we're going to be talking to John about all of the latest legal. We have some new developments on the murder trial, a subpoena that was filed by Alex attorney and a response filed by the state. We also have some legal stuff happening in Russell Lafitte's federal case. In our last episode, we talked about a motion to dismiss that he filed, and now the federal government has filed a response. And we'll also discuss a request for some jailhouse calls from Eddie Smith, as well as Judge Mullen.
1: We start with our legal analyst, former district attorney and former defense attorney. He is John Snyder.
0: Hello, John. Hey, guys. How you
1: doing? Great. Great. Start us off, Seton.
0: OK, let's start off with some of the stuff that's happening in the murder trial. We have a subpoena. I don't know if I'm saying this correctly. Lucas Tecom, which was filed by Alex's defense team. Can you tell us what that Correct.
2: is? That is a, a subpoena to provide material to the defense that they claim has not been provided to them in any other manner.
1: The way I read it is the request is too broad. Is that the problem they're having?
2: Correct. They're they're saying, hey, you guys are asking for, we want the entire case file. It's like, well, what what do you mean? It's kind of this ridiculous notion that they haven't been provided what the law requires them to be provided. And so now they've sent out this just kind of shotgun style subpoena and the state's saying, "We we don't even know what they're asking for.
1: There are certain things that the prosecution doesn't have to turn over.
2: Yeah. Okay. So Brady, Brady Supreme Court case requires any exculpatory evidence be provided the defense, which means if you say that you're at Burger King, the, the state says you're at Burger King, but you have a receipt that says you were at McDonald's at the same time, the state needs to turn that over to the defense to show because they have it in evidence. But the state does not have to provide notes of the prosecution or even reflections or thoughts in the preparation of their case.
1: Okay. So they're spitballing in an office or something. They don't get all that stuff.
2: They don't get, they don't get any of that. That's, that's, that's non-discoverable. That's attorney client privilege with the, the client being the state and the attorneys being the solicitor's office and. They're trying to get something um, to be produced, you know, before trial that's not that, that there's no basis for in the statute.
0: Gotcha. Well, the state in their response, which was filed on October 3rd, said that Murdoch asked the court to give an unprecedented subpoena power for documents to be produced in advance of the trial, a power which is not authorized or contemplated by the South Carolina rules of criminal procedure.
1: Do, do you agree with that? I do agree with that. I, d- I do
2: think they're. I think they're just going way far afield in what they're asking for.
1: I think it's important for people to know that Dick Carputlian, who is the one of the attorneys for Alec Murdoch, is a senator, so he knows the legislation and the the, the process, and that also was a, a district attorney, and he handled major death row cases in South Carolina before. So he knows the game. I would imagine that uh when Creighton Waters and the gang over at the, the prosecutor's office get this stuff, they're like, Come on, Dick, you know all this stuff.
2: It's two things he's doing. He's he's arguing the law as it is or as it should be. So that's he is doing his job as an advocate, but I think the state's right to say, you know, that's an appellate issue and and right now. There's no power in—there's no way that we can give you the relief that you're seeking.
0: Let's move on to Russell Lafitte's federal charges. In our last episode, we talked about a motion to dismiss that was filed by Russell's team. And in this, they said that federal government made all of these errors in the indictments and that because of this, some of the charges should be dismissed the federal government has now issued a response. And in this response, they say that Russell's own misrepresentations is what have caused the error in their indictments. And one of the examples they use is Natasha Thomas. She was one of the passengers in the vehicle accident where Hakeem Pinckney was injured. And I guess she was two weeks shy of turning 18. And he filed a form. And in this form, he said that she was 15. And I guess if you're 18, you would not be eligible to be under a conservatorship. But if you're 15, then a conservatorship would apply. So, John, what are your thoughts on this?
2: I, I understand what his attorney is doing. Again, you're trying for anything because as these charges keep rolling up, so does the amount of time that you might serve in federal prison. And so anything you can do to try to get that Big number off of the board. You're going to try. The government's response, though, says, "Hey, in our original indictment, based on the filings that we saw, you alleged the following, and now you're alleging that it was an error. Well, the error was your, you know, factual concealment of a material fact, potentially. So, so what the feds could do is they could dismiss." the indictment on this charge and then charge him for falsifying the the feds could come back and and find a new, new and and maybe better way to charge him with something than if he had just left, left this alone and raised raised it at trial.
1: You don't want to, the feds do not like you lying or misrepresenting things. uh, That's, that's the Martha Stewart rule right there. You don't, uh... the best, the
2: best thing to do is to seek legal counsel before speaking with, with federal law enforcement.
0: Bitts has also reported on potential proffering between Russell Lafitte and also Alec Murdoch and they say that possibly uh, Russell may have messed up his proffering deal with federal government because of these lies. So first let's go into, John, what is a proffer?
2: Basically there's there's a couple different things uh, that happen with a proffer. So You get a letter from the federal government that says you are a target of an investigation. You run and go get your federal criminal lawyer, as you should, and they work out a deal where you come in and just, you tell your side. When you're doing that, you're either giving evidence or your lawyers have negotiated a a, what you might call king for a day, you've got an immunity deal where you come in and you say everything, you know, criminal or not. So the thing about a proffer is you're held to whatever it is you say, and if you don't have an immunity deal lined up, you might get charged with some crimes.
1: I, I didn't realize the proffer doesn't always come with immunity deal.
2: It does sometimes, and sometimes people... Give proffers where they should not have said anything ah. <laughs> it's like, like like the evidence is overwhelming, and if your proffer doesn't line up with the evidence, then that's where those those charges lying to federal agents come in that that invites a whole new set of of issues If you decide to sit down with the federal government and tell them something, it better be. Right, or you need to argue for immunity if you're going to tell them about the bad things you did. Otherwise, you don't do it unless your lawyer says to do it.
1: Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen.
0: Well, Alec's attorneys told Fitz News when they reached out for a comment about this, that this was not true. So I don't know if it's true or not. But to me, the only advantage of offering Alec a proffering deal would be that he has a lot of other people to sell down stream.
2: Well, so the federal government could say to somebody, all right, you come in and tell us everything. And if everything you tell us turns out to be true, we'll do the following. So it's not an immunity deal. It's a you're looking th- things aren't looking good for you, brother. So if you wanna if you wanna tell us everything you know, every criminal engagement you've ever been involved in, and all the people that were involved then things might go better. The Wolf of Wall Street is probably the most recent famous movie where, you know, the different the different guys get called in to explain what was going on with the promotion of stocks mm-hmm. and you have to stick by that, and you basically say, this is a proffer of, yeah, this is everything. Here you go.
1: And then you hope that they <laughs> go easy on you.
2: You hope they go easy on you. You hope that they don't charge you at all. You hope that they dismiss charges, but it is not, you're not king for a day. You're not wearing a crown and right. can say whatever you, you, you want to say. You, everything's got to be true in the hopes that they treat you well. Hmm. And and they do. It's not, it's not, they don't, people only get in trouble with proffers, in my opinion, when they don't provide accurate information.
0: Well, Ella could also be trying to work out a proffer and deal with the federal government so that he could go to a federal jail instead of staying in a state jail.
2: They jokingly call it club fed. Right. Um, y- you would much rather be in a federal detention center than a state detention center. They're just...
1: A little bit more pause. Better deal,
2: but 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 here with murder charges, he's not he's not going to Club Fed. Right. He's he's looking at like maximum security, potentially death row.
1: But if he thinks he's getting off, he'd be worried about the financial crime, right? Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the timing of the hearings, Russell. Lafitte is set to go to trial in November. We know that Ellick has requested a speedy trial. They're saying possibly January. Mm-hmm. We also have the boating crash litigation. The judge reversed the severance of Murdoch and Parker. So now Murdoch—that's January too—and and that is there's that actually has a date, I believe, yeah. in January. Now Ellick is set to go for a trial on murder charges, and also the boating crash litigation, both in January. So I just wanted to kind of wrap my head around the timing of all these hearings and how they may affect each other.
2: So Russell's trial will go first. And I think that will go Mm -hmm. unless unless there's a plea deal that's reached. Then I think probably the boat case will go first then alex murder trial would be my guess
1: but can they run can a uh civil case that being the boating crash and a murder trial go at the same time i don't know that the absolute de- take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around right so you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in. And you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals you read stories you participate in dialogues so you are ready to go it's the most trusted time-tested app out there they've been the expert in language learning for 30 years buy rosetta stone now and you never have to pay a renewal fee don't put off learning that language there's no better time than right now to get started for a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for forty percent off. That's forty percent off unlimited access to twenty-five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your forty percent off at RosettaStone.com/backslash today.
2: Definite answer on that, yeah. but I've never, never, ever in the course of anything I've heard of had somebody. You can't be required to be in two courtrooms at the same time. Okay. Uh, There's there's a rule. Every state has a rule over what case takes priority. So a criminal case would take priority over a state case. But if a jury trial has begun, the criminal trial would wait until the civil jury trial was over. Mm -hmm.
0: We talked with you, I believe, last time you were on about this severance of Parker's Convenience Store and Alec Murdoch. And the judge reversed that. Now they're back together. But Parker's has filed additional motions to go back to having this severance. So they're still working that out about exactly what what will happen.
1: So what's next?
0: Post and Courier has filed a Freedom of Information Act to get some jailhouse phone calls from Eddie Smith uh, from the Lexington County Detention Center.
1: Cousin Eddie, the guy who was involved with the Labor Day, suicide for hire, whatever that mess was, and also uh, allegedly tied up with ELEC and drugs and and payments. So, yes. Yes.
0: And the request was denied. And in the letter, they said that that it could potentially deprive a fair and impartial trial, interfere with prospective law enforcement proceedings, or endanger the life or physical safety of anyone as contemplated by South Carolina Code 3440A. It's interesting because we know that Alec Murdoch's jailhouse calls were released by the Richland County Detention Center. Mm-hmm. You know, Alec is at the Rich- Richland County Detention Center, and Eddie is at the Lexington County Detention Center, but it seems like they should be consistent, and I don't know if there's a reason behind this, so I wanted to get your thoughts on this.
2: So, uh, you know, I think the Lexington decision is, is the right one. I know i many people disagree with with me on that out there in the interwebs. <laughs> uh, but I think it's good now that if you have two different jurisdictions in the same state coming to different decisions, it this is perfect for South Carolina appeals courts to get in and, and let people of South Carolina know what what is discoverable and what's not related to FOIA requests for, for jailhouse tapes.
0: So you believe this will probably be litigated?
2: Oh, absolutely. And, 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 and probably, properly should be, since there appears to be a question, and even the, the federal judge's opinion said this is a question that's, that's right for state courts to answer.
0: The Post and Courier filed a request for the logs of Alex' phone calls, and he apparently has had no phone calls except for to his attorney's office. That leads you to believe that maybe there's some third-party phone calls happening through attorneys' offices, and obviously that probably would not be something that would be allowed, or else he's just not talking to anybody.
2: It could be that he's not talking to anybody. It could be that he's asking everybody to communicate with him in writing so that some some modicum of privacy is maintained. But... He is getting ready for some major, major trials and engaging into idle talk about beef jerky swaps for cigarettes may not be where his focus is right now as he's getting ready for a murder trial. Yeah. So uh, he is speaking with his lawyers directly and they may be transmitting, you know, well wishes from from people, but uh, nobody. Who would want to call and talk to him, knowing that it's it's going to be released for everybody that's to to hear and, and listen
1: to? That's very so, true.
0: But we do um, have technology that is easily available to us now to patch people in. So if you wanted to talk to your son and you didn't want to be reported.
1: so attorney client. So you call your attorney. Well, you call your you attorney, and it, then
0: potentially you get uh, someone to call into. Yeah, attorney calls are not recorded. That's attorney-client privilege. So maybe you want to talk to some of your family members and you don't want Hmm. that to be broadcast. So maybe you patch them in. I mean, I don't know. That's just a guess.
2: Well, I mean, if they're working, if they're preparing their defense, uh, then then all that would be covered by attorney-client privilege. So I would would say, yeah, so that's... that, that's okay, because he's getting ready for a trial. And so uh, you don't again, the the goal of the state is to get a conviction without any issues on appeal. And so you don't want to stifle or create a claim for him needlessly that he wasn't able to properly defend himself.
0: So next, I want to talk about Judge Mullen. Post and Courier did a kind of a deep dive into her. If you remember, she is the judge who signed off on the Satterfield settlement that was never properly filed. My first question to you is How are judges reviewed? Would we know it if she's in some hot water, or is this proceeding private?
2: Uh, each state handles disciplinary investigations differently related to judicial officials. Typically, they're done in private. Typically, complaints come in about judges, and, and probably 90% of them don't go anywhere, and maybe 10% bring about an investigation. So the only way we as the public will know about that in advance is if somebody who was interviewed as a part of that investigation said so.
0: She actually recused herself from the boating accident back when Paul was charged. But she did not recuse herself from the murder investigation of Maggie and Paul. She actually, according to this article, signed off on some of the search warrants during the Murdoch investigation. So I I don't know. It seems to be a conflict to me as an outsider, but I'm, I'm not a lawyer. So I, again, just wanted to get your opinion on this.
2: We, we don't know the exact nature of the conflict in the boating accident. And so unless the judge goes on record and says what the conflict is, you presume it's the best thing to do at the at the time when that when that recusal is made. And in the same way, this judge knows they're under a lot of public scrutiny. And so signing a search warrant and a criminal investigation seems there wouldn't be any conflict in doing that
1: unless she said no then there might be
2: that's right or unless she said hey i'm because of the, my personal relationship with the defendant or the victim i i i prefer not to sign off on this but but look there are objective standards in getting a, a search warrant and so if the if the investigating officer who's presented it to the judge has done everything that he or she is supposed to do, then there's no reason a judge would not sign a search warrant.
1: Well, John, thanks, man. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you, guys. Look forward to seeing where the next curve in the road is in this stuff and and enjoying
1: it. Talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, John. Always great to hear from Snyder. And another thing we want to touch on is the article by Michael DeWitt in the Greenville News that on September 20th, Alec Murdoch's receivers asked the court for approval on a $285,000 sale of what is referred to as Island A, a 22-acre island, part of the Williams Islands off the coast of Buford. It had a dock, but it's not really usable. I guess it was before even Hurricane Ian. It was in bad shape. You can only get to it by boat, depending on the tides. And it's owned 50% Murdoch Holdings. And here's where it gets interesting a little bit. And 50% the estate. Of Barrett Bulware. Dun dun dun. And we know the Barrett Bulware name if you've been paying attention because there's a drug connection there.
0: Yes. Barrett Bulware was a commercial fisherman who was indicted on some drug charges back in the 80s. These charges were eventually dismissed when a key witness was killed after stepping in front of a car.
1: Allegedly, stepping in front of a car. Kind of fishy, right? I think right. it was Key West or something. And and Bulware and Ellick have had this relationship. Because Boulware is the one who sold the Moselle property where the murders took place to ELEC in 2013. I want to go back a little bit and tell you about what they found ELEC owns uh, that DeWitt reports is seven islands around Buford County, ranging in size from around 20 acres to about 0.8 acres. And he owns them directly or with Boulware or he's a co-owner with some sort of entity. And that is just crazy because we've known that they had to start digging and find out all the different holdings and different properties that Alec had. Now, these properties, a lot of them are not inhabited. They're these islands that have nothing on them.
0: Right. You can't access them by car, they're only accessible by boat. And I think in the article, didn't it didn't say that this was the most valuable of the islands?
1: I believe it is, yes. Uh, and it's, I, I, what did I say, $285,000, I believe. He also has uh, the Edisto property, which Maggie was living at a lot, which closed for just under $360,000. After the mortgage, it generated about 69 grand. And that's in a trust right now, waiting to see who gets paid out. I did uh,
0: see on social media that now that property is actually an air. It's either Airbnb or what's the other company?
1: Oh, well, I don't know. Yeah, one of those one rental of those places. rental places.
0: It's actually available to rent.
1: And Edisto is a beach town, but it is a it's it's been described to me as being lost in the fifties. It doesn't have big putt putt and amusement rides or anything like that. It's just a laid back area that doesn't have. When you go there, you are staying at your beach property. You're not driving to a whole bunch of restaurants and activities.
0: Right. Actually, that was the first beach we ever took my son to, and there isn't a lot to do. It's just basically a place that you can go and hang out with your family. But you might go out. There's one or two restaurants there, but there's really—it's basically going to the beach and hanging out with your family.
1: It's not what you think of when someone says—it's not Hilton Head or— Certainly not Myrtle Beach or places like that. Uh, also, uh, he has some places in Berkeley County. Uh, there's two properties there. He has a 50% interest in those. Uh, they say they're going to be worth about 500 k the two of them. So he's going to have to start selling off these properties. Of course, the the receivers have to get court approval to make the sales possible. Moselle's still being being held up. That was market, it was on the market for $3.9 million, but that's being held up. Of legal reasons, so it hasn't been officially sold yet, and so that is the latest on all those properties. Before we wrap, some comments on the podcast. Uh, this is Ann been listening to Seaton Tucker and Matt Harris ever since day one of their coverage of the Murdoch family. Ooh, we apologize for some of those first few that we started. <laughs> anyway, they're the most logical, pragmatic, and analytical podcast out there. to deliver facts. They don't interject ego, or personal opinion, or unnecessary drama. My hope is that. After this Murdoch saga ends, if it ever does, they'll take up other cases in the news.
0: We've had a couple of recent reviews where people have just started listening and they said maybe they couldn't get into it or they didn't like our organization. And I wish that we could respond to those nope. because we really have gotten better and wish they would give us another try.
1: I hope we've gotten better. I, we keep trying and we appreciate all the feedback that helps us get better. We also have a plan coming up for if things get slow, things don't break on Murdoch stuff. We're going to handle some other true crime stories, right, Seton?
0: Yes, and we'll tell you up front at the beginning of the episode. So if you were only here for Murdoch stuff, you will know and you can tune out. <laughs> but I think we could do a good job telling some other true crime stories. I think
1: so. You can reach out to us, Murdoch Podcast Facebook, MurdochPodcast.com, Podcast at gmail.com. Always grateful you spend time with us, and we'll talk soon. Join Halataha for actionable advice from the brightest minds in the world on the Young and Profiting Podcast. Author and academic, Arthur Brooks, on what success isn't. The husband was confessing to his wife that he might as well be dead. And I'm thinking, whoa, what's wrong with this guy? I turn around to get a look, and it turns out to be one of the most famous men in the world. The world tells you that if you are profiting, money, power, pleasure, fame, you're going to be happy, and that's a bogus formula.
2: The Young and Profiting Podcast, wherever you listen.